It's show 127 of the RIM Pro Report. Today, Michael Smith of Ready Smith Advisors and the latest industry news. The show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. I was looking at their site today and saw a whole bunch of cool stories about their clients. Clients like Pioneer Records and Information Management, Offsite Data Depot, Richards & Richards, Eva Store, Secure Archive in Geneva, Grace in Australia. These simple stories and the case studies, to me, are worth just checking checking out for the sheer value of the learning they offer. Not just about the learning, but also about the company that supports them. And that's O'Neill. And if you're interested in checking them out, you can do so yourself at O'NeillSoft.com. Hey, it's Valentine's Day today, so I'm going to make this show today my love letter to you this week. Isn't that special? Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me and happy Valentine's Day. No matter what is happening in your life, I hope that you have the chance today to share a little love with those you care about. Thanks for joining us here on the RIM Pro Report. If you've missed the last few weeks, we've had some amazing amazing shows. Be sure to check those out. John Balzer of Goldman Sachs was on last week. Richard Steed of Pacific Records Management. Uh, Kerry McGovern, the file man, talked about all the acquisitions going on. Nate Campbell of Access. Uh, Tom Dumez, the HIPAA man. That's the last five shows. And I got to tell you, we've had five great shows. So if you've missed any of those, be sure to check them out. On today's show, I was lucky enough to connect with a gentleman named Michael Smith of Ready Smith Advisors. I actually connected with him last week, and I was so intrigued by what he was doing, I asked him to immediately be on the show. Michael is a world-leading expert on disaster recovery, business continuity, emergency planning, and has been the practice leader for some of the largest consulting companies in the world as it relates to this. So as DR, disaster recovery, business continuity, emergency planning, intersects with the world we live in every day, I see the value of his knowledge as it relates to our world, so I thought it'd be great to have him on the show, so I'm looking forward to having a conversation with him today. But before I get Michael on the line, let's catch up on the latest industry news from the week. Acquisitions continue to happen. I got noticed late last week that Kent Records Management of Grand Rapids, Michigan has acquired the assets of Lakeshore Document Destruction in Muskegon, Michigan and Metro Business Archives in Benton Harbor, Michigan. This would be Kent's fifth and sixth acquisition to date and further strengthens them as a powerful regional player in Michigan and northern Indiana. So congratulations to Greg George and the team at Kent on these acquisitions. Eagle Secure Shredding of Atlanta has acquired BSE Information Management, the document storage interests of Bridgewater Southern Enterprises of Lawrenceville, Georgia. This acquisition expands Eagle's document storage division. Uh, the acquisition actually brings Eagle into document storage for clients who are not legacy shredding customers and really has effectively doubled the number of storage clients they now have in their business. So congratulations to Ian Taylor of Eagle on the purchase and Chip Perkins, the CEO of Bridgewater, on the sale of their document storage division. 
Now, I would be neglecting my civic duty not to remind you of a couple of big upcoming conferences in the industry. PRISM's Asia-Pacific Region Conference will be held in Brisbane, Australia, February 26th to 28th. Looks like a tour of Grace Records Management Facility as well as a solid lineup of speakers and a Privacy Plus workshop and certification session. Wish I could be there this year, but that's not going to happen. Uh, Then, on March 22nd to 24th, the Nate and conference will be held in Nashville, Tennessee. Looks like it's going to be a great show. I hope to see many of you there as I will be there and I'd love to catch up with you. And that's all I know about the news that's happening in RIM this week. I've checked the boards, I've checked everything I can, and that's all I've got access to. So if you've got news you want to share, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I'm going to get Michael Smith on the phone. Hang tight while I do. Michael Smith is the president and founder of Ready Smith Advisors. He is one of the world's leading experts on business continuity and disaster recovery. And I am extremely glad to be able to talk to him today. Michael, are you there? Yes, I am, Tom. Pleased uh, to meet you. Yeah, pleased to meet you. Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. I gave a brief intro earlier on the show, but just enough to whet the appetites of those who are listening. Tell me first about Ready Smith Advisors. You're a disaster recovery business continuity consulting firm. Is that what you're doing? Uh, that's substantially correct, Tom. We've uh, I've been doing consulting in this field for about 27 years now. Okay. And the field has grown. Uh, We're not just business continuity and disaster recovery. We do emergency response. We do crisis management. We do all of those things that you need, that an organization needs to do to, to get ready for those bad things that can happen to them and interrupt their business. Wow. So you said you've been doing this a long time. So let's pop back into that. Tell me the story of your professional life. How did you get into this disaster recovery, business continuity, crisis management, emergency response type of stuff? Take me back and and give me a sense of where you got this stuff from. Oh, uh, like like many good careers, it was kind of accidental, fell into it. A dear friend of mine, um, had a consulting company was doing something called physical security and disaster recovery consulting. Uh, I was running IT operation for one of the insurance companies here in Toronto, and uh, we just finished our disaster recovery plan. We were probably very early on for insurance companies doing a disaster recovery plan, hmm. and he called me up and he said, uh, how'd you like to come and work with us? That was kind of interesting. Yeah. Made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So, yeah, I got into it easily that way. That was 86. Um, worked with him, that small regional company, for about five years. Then I started my own company. Did that for another five years. Uh, ended up selling it to IBM Canada in 1996. So let's, let's stop there because this is interesting. Uh, IBM Canada buys your consulting firm. So you were doing disaster recovery, business continuity consulting at that point and did you have staff How, what is it that makes IBM uh, at that point in your life buy were they buying you or were they buying a group of consultants what give me a sense of what happened well we were uh, we were 12 consultants at the time wow. um, the reason one of the things they they liked us one of the reasons they liked us is we were doing all of their consulting for their customers anyway in business continuity and disaster recovery. Huh. They didn't have any strength in that field. And they finally, after two years, they said, 
this doesn't make sense for us to pay this company all this money to do the work for us. Why don't we just buy the darn company? And they did. <laughs> so uh, that, that's how we ended up. Uh, we ended up becoming IBM's uh, business continuity and, and re- recovery services group. Uh, they built that out significantly, uh, adding hot sites and, and things like that. Right. And uh, I continued to run the consulting arm uh, for a couple of years for them. Wow. You know, you know, in business continuity and disaster recovery. Wow. And and so IBM, uh, you're you're running their thing for them. And so where do you go from there? Well, uh, after a couple of years, uh, I. I got tapped on the shoulder again, and I ended up going to Ernst & Young, the audit firm. Um, I worked for Ernst & Young for eight years, again, in business continuity and disaster recovery consulting. I was, I became a leader of, of the business continuity consulting practice in North America. We had a whole 30 consultants across the, across the continent doing that kind of thing. Wow. Um, then uh, then uh, I moved uh, to Marsh the insurance broker, and I ended up as, glo- I, I, I went there as global practice leader for business continuity consulting, and I had about 140 consultants around the world, so um, that, was, that was an active job. I traveled an awful lot in that job. Um, it's, it's interesting, uh, moving from IBM to Ernst & Young to Marsh, those were all large companies. Yeah. Uh, mostly large companies. You know, we did a lot of work for large banks, large insurance companies, uh, Microsoft, those kinds of organizations. Um, we did some small, medium-sized business consulting, but uh, not as much as I would like uh, like to think, um, largely because those medium-sized companies weren't really doing much in the way of business continuity planning and disaster recovery planning at the time. Got it. Okay. So the work you did in IBM, obviously at Ernst & Young and at Marsh, was significant in that you had teams of people out there creating disaster recovery and business continuity planning and structure for large global Fortune 1000, Fortune 5, whatever, the, the larger kind of companies. Uh, and uh, it seems to me like you were the leader of these practices. So you've experienced a whole lot of stuff in your life or seen it. Uh, as you did the work or as your teams did the work, did you ever have to deal with the outcomes of your planning that your team did or? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's a good question, Tom. Uh, one of the things that usually happened is if you've worked on helping somebody develop their business continuity plan, their program, when they actually have to execute the darn plans, when, when something bad happens, yeah. Godzilla comes and steps on their head office, for right. example. One of the people they almost always call is the consultant that helped them develop it in the first place. Mm. So I've I've probably supported through maybe 20 different events over the last 20 odd years of customers executing their plans for just a whole range of reasons, ranging from hurricanes coming up the coast, um, the big ice storm in, in north northeastern U.S. and, and, and uh, eastern Canada, um, power extended power outages. Uh, uh, flood situations uh, in, in the western Canada and western U.S., the Red River uh, overflowing its banks, hmm. Mississippi overflowing its banks, um, hurricanes, you name it. Wow, wow. So all of this all of this prepares you at some point to go back into doing this on your own again. And yeah, I, I, I went back on my own uh, oh, six, seven, eight years ago. Okay. 
you were tired of the big practice stuff and flying all over the world and, you know, first class air travel and you become, you become an entrepreneur again. So tell me what all this experience uh, that you've had and all of the sort of things you've learned over the years, you go back into being an entrepreneur as your own consulting firm and you create ReadySmith Advisors. What was the gap you felt like you could address in the marketplace that these companies you had been working with were missing? Well, it's interesting. Um, it was very clear to me that the small and medium-sized businesses just, just didn't have a lot of options when it came to doing getting ready for those bad things that can happen, hmm. uh, things that interrupt their business significantly. And it wasn't just an, an, an IT recovery thing either. You know, a lot of people talk about disaster recovery these days, and they're really only thinking about computer systems. They're only thinking right. about applications. They really have to look at it much more comprehensively, much more broadly. You know, if something happens at 5 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon, say a major fire in your head office, right? how are you going to take an order at 8.30 the next morning? How are you going to take an order for your product? How are you going to ship it out the door that night if you've had a fire in the head office? Right. And computers play a role in that. But they're not There's everything. There's just so much more. There's so much more that goes on. Uh, are my people safe? Is my, are my assets safe? Is my building as protected as it can be after the fire, mm -hmm. for example? Uh, where is my order desk going to be tomorrow morning at 8.30? It can't be in my office, my head office building, because it's got smoke damage and there's lots of water because the firemen came in with their hoses. Hmm. Thank heavens they put the fire out, but I can't use that space anymore. Right. Not for a couple of weeks, probably. So how am I going to take that order at 8.30 tomorrow morning? When one of my best customers calls and wants to place a really big order, yeah, that's me needing to do business. That's critical to me. So, that, and and for the smaller businesses, medium-sized businesses, they didn't have a lot of options. You know, they could use expensive consultants like me, like I used to be. Right. You know, it's fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars for starters to get the consultant in the door to do something significant for you. Really, from like a, a Marsh or an Ian, uh, an Ernst and Young or Absolutely. an IBM. Really, yep. fifty to a hundred thousand. I I didn't know that. Wow. And you're paying two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollars an hour. That's as much as you pay your lawyer, probably, or accountant. Could be worth more though in the long run. So that was one of their choices. Another choice at a smaller, medium-sized business is to find templates on the internet, and those are free or cheap, but you don't know what to do with them. You don't have the expertise, you don't have the background knowledge to say, sit down with a template and say, okay, now what do I do? Because yeah. you need to make some significant decisions as you work through the process. You can uh, buy software packages that help you somewhat through the process, but those are 30 grand to start with. So that's difficult for the for a smaller medium sized business as well. Wow, I, they, these numbers are these numbers are astounding to me because because mm -hmm. like with a software package uh, and I, I recall at one point looking at one, but it seemed to me like the software package was merely just fill in the blank. Is that is that really what happens with them? Well, yeah, it, it, that's the trouble with the, these software packages. Fill in the blanks is. Yeah, you can fill in a blank, but is it really going to do the job for you? Like I say, there are some very substantial decisions you need to make. First mm -hmm. thing you need to think about is, what is truly critical to my business? I can't do everything 8.30 tomorrow morning that I was doing at 4.30 this afternoon. Mm -hmm. I can't do everything. Right. I can't prepare in that fashion. It's just too expensive to make that happen. I'd need a completely redundant office you know, on the other side of town 
to be able to do that. So I can't do that. So I have to distill down my business into what's truly critical at 8.30 tomorrow morning hmm. so that I can get it going. Right. Now, maybe it's just taking orders. Maybe it's taking orders and shipping them out the door. And the rest can go hang. I'm not going to worry about additional proposals. I'm not going to worry about accounts receivable, not yet anyway, because right. it's not yet critical to me. I'm not going to, certainly not going to worry about payables, because those, those payees, those vendors who sold me stuff can wait a little bit longer, because my business is severely at risk right now. Hmm. So you, you, first of all, you distill it down to what's truly critical to you. Then you sit down and say, if these are the three or four processes that are most critical to my business and that are critical very quickly, how do I get those three or four processes back in operation so that my business can survive? And that's, that's the difficult decision. How do I make that happen? Hmm. You know, do I buy a second office? Do I go to a hotel? Do I work out of my basement? Those kinds of things. Right. And those are choices that you can make. And that's what we do when we help people through the process. That's what a software package can't do when you're just filling in the blanks. Right. Because one of the blanks would be location of alternate office. And that doesn't help you think through and decide how you're going to supply that, how you're going to make that happen. So the role of the consultant in this case is to really help a company clarify the requirements of a disaster recovery and business continuity plan. It, that seems to me what you're saying. It's it's being willing to say, yeah, there's a there's a space on this particular software form, but but really there's deeper questions that underlie the answer you give. Absolutely, because if, if you can figure out the requirements, then you have to figure out what are the strategies to satisfy those requirements. Hmm. And then you write the procedures to make it happen. Oh, okay. okay. Now, now it's, it's interesting because, you know, these poor folks working in a small or medium-sized business, they're spending 110% of their time running the business, trying to make a buck, and they don't think about this very much. They don't have time to think about it. And they don't know how to make it happen anyway. Right. A lot, a lot of small businessmen don't even know that it's possible to develop a plan to protect yourself when something bad happens. Right. A lot of them don't even know that it's possible, doable. It kind of reminds me of, you know, health. It kind of reminds me of physical health. A lot of times tend to respond after the crisis has occurred, not in preparation for the crisis, whether it be a heart attack or, or high cholesterol or whatever goes on. We tend to be more reactionary. And yet from a business perspective, like buying insurance, we need to be preparing for the inevitable fact that at some point something's going to go wrong. Yep. And those things that can go wrong are increasing in frequency. Yeah. There's no question about it. You know, uh, take a look at the weather report. <laughs> Plain and simple. Yeah. You know, we're having more and more storms that are doing bad things. Right. Uh, right. Look at aging infrastructure in cities. Yeah. You get more pipe breaks, you get more fires and, and sewer conduits and things like that. And that's just because we're packing so much more stuff into our cities that they're becoming a little more fragile. Yeah. And that all sets up the possibility of business interruption, uh, business emergency, business crisis. And so uh, at Ready Smith, it sounds to me like that was a focal point for you. So tell me sort of w what you guys have been doing and what you've done to really make 
your unique um, option in the marketplace a reality? Okay, well, we, we considered what the role of the consultant was in relation to the small and medium-sized business. And, and to walk into a, a small or medium-sized business and say you're a consultant is, is that they, they sort of you know hold up the cross to you and say, my goodness, stay away, please. <laughs> uh, consultants are not popular people right. in small and medium-sized businesses because they're big dollar signs on the forehead as we walk in the door with our suits right. from Wall Street. So we reinvented ourselves. We said, we're not going to be consultants anymore. We're going to be advisors. Consultants do the work, and they charge you for their time. So the more work they do, the more they can charge you. We're going to be advisors. We're going to use our our depth of experience and expertise, and we're going to help a customer work through the process. So what we've done is we've taken an Internet-based website, and we've populated it with all sorts of information and template kind of information for plans and procedures. And we have tutorials, online tutorials that guide our customer through the process. It's a very set process. It's a, rather a traditional process. Mm-hmm. People have been doing business continuity planning and disaster recovery planning for 35 years now, so it's a, a commonly known process, maybe right. not known to your average small business owner or medium-sized business. So we take our, our, our website takes them through that process but we also assign an advisor to the customer. Mm. So that advisor sort of sits at the customer's elbow. That's virtually, of course, across right. the Internet or by telephone or, or by email or in our, in our website, which is really a, 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 a spiffy uh, collaboration tool. And the customer does the work. We review the customer's work. We comment on it. We guide them. We know where the potholes are in the road, so we help them avoid the potholes hmm. because we've been through it so many times. Right. And that's how we can keep our price in a place where a, a small or a medium-sized business can afford it and still work their way through the process and still get a, a good, solid business continuity and disaster recovery plan and program in place secure in the knowledge that has been guided by experts who have been doing it for years and years. But the significant difference is you as experts aren't having to write the plan. You've already kind of crafted a overarching plan that then your customers can go into uh, and adapt as necessary, but you're kind of watching over their shoulder the whole time to make sure they've done it right and not miss something. Sure. Um, we, we essentially give them a plan. Okay. And what they're doing is they're customizing it to their, their own specific requirement. Okay. So they're not inventing from scratch. We've done the inventing from scratch. And we give them, I don't know, 60%, 70% of what they need. We certainly give them content. We give them format. We give them the process. And we guide them through it. So uh, uh, it's faster that way. Hmm. It's easier for them that way. And they learn as they go. Because we, we do, in effect, one-on-one advisory kind of guidance. Hmm. So this new way of doing things, obviously, one of the things you notice in the large companies that are hiring the IBMs and the Ernst & Youngs and the 
you know, the Marsh kind of, of global consulting firms to help them. They're coming in saying, you know, we desperately need this. We've got this huge organization. We've got to protect it at all costs. Our shareholders demand it. How is it trying to get small to mid-sized businesses to believe that this is critical to their success as well? Well, it's a challenge. There's no question, Tom. Um, this is a net new process for many companies. They don't do it. They don't understand why they need to do it. So for them to do it, they have to spend money and time to make it happen. Right. So the, 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 what's the justification for doing it? Well, the, the, the justification is somewhat in line with having insurance. Right. And everybody looks at the, their insurance cost and tries to do, make it as effective as possible. But by the same token, everybody knows they must have insurance because bad things will happen. Right. But we're just that little extra leap past paying for insurance. One of the nice things is, is if you happen to have a good business continuity program in place, either your insurance cost will be contained and will not go up as quickly, or you might even get a reduction on your insurance premium. It won't cover the cost that you've invested in developing your business continuity program, but at least it'll, it'll give you a little bit back. Hmm. But uh, how, how do we justify it to them? Well, um, I guess I guess at some point we had to justify the use of telephones <laughs> right. as telephones were introduced into business. Right, yeah. And, and it's a no-brainer now. Everybody uses telephones. Uh, large organizations, particularly in regulated industries, you look mm. at the financial services world, they absolutely are required by government law to have business continuity programs in place and to uh, maintain them and to exercise them and prove to, sometimes to, to government inspectors, government auditors, that they have a program in place that will work. Right. Uh, you know, certainly financial institutions in the U.S. are absolutely required to have it, as they are in Canada. Right. Um, there are some other industries where that's, that's necessary, uh, um, um, you know, oil and gas, you know, in terms of emergency response and so on. Um, utilities, certainly, uh, electric util electrical utilities and so on. Uh, there's some industries where it just makes tremendous sense to have it. If I'm running an airline reservation system, I really must make sure that, that airline reservation process continues at all times. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, maybe hundreds of thousands of people who don't know where they're going and, and when. Yeah. So, so it, it's it's really then uh, getting uh, small to mid-sized businesses to really buy into the fact that this is a critical component of what they're doing uh, and what they need mm -hmm. to do to protect themselves in the long run. Because I, I know I've seen it, and I know in this industry, in the records and information management industry, uh, there and I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but there's some percentage, if you don't have a plan in place and you don't get yourself righted, uh, the, the, your business can disappear pretty quickly if you don't have a plan to get yourself uh, back up and running. Sure. And, and more and more these days we're seeing, if you want to do business with, you know, a maybe a big company or a business with a state department right. or, or an agency of some sort, one of the things they require as you're, as you're bidding on the business is to prove that you have a business continuity program in place. Hmm. So you will be, be, continue to be a dependable supplier of your service or product to that state agency or to that large organization. Right. And it's, it's 
quickly becoming the cost of doing business. Yeah. If you want to do business and you want to sell your stuff, you better have one in place. Huh. It, it can also be a distinguishing factor. You know, if, if, if I have a business continuity program in place and it's good and my competitor doesn't, I'll, I'll use that as a fact against my competitor and, and hopefully win the business more easily. Yeah. Well, as I told you in sort of the prep for this show, the people who listen to it are predominantly information management services businesses like record storage, offsite tape storage, and and yeah. uh, vaulting, shredding, and destruction. And, and ultimately, we claim to support our clients' disaster recovery and business continuity requirements. I think more so in the in the media vaulting and data protection side. But but I guess the question is, how can we assist our clients? It, in this space, be more aware of their disaster recovery issues and potentially help them with that. What might you say to that as a leading expert on this subject? Well, you know, the, the, the records and information management business is, is an interesting business. Um, I, I've, I've, I've worked with, um, you know, record storage organizations a lot over the, 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 the time span of my career. Um, what I find interesting about them is, is they are only a disaster recovery kind. Well, not only, but they are mostly a disaster recovery service available to companies and organizations because all of the information that's being managed, all of the data that's being managed by that company mm-hmm. is off-site. Right. It's not in the building. Right. And therefore, when something happens to the customer in his building, he has to depend on that information that is stored out there, whether it's paper, whether it's a, a, an electronic document that's being managed, whether it's data backups on tape or on disk or remotely uh, right. electronically vaulted. It's all managed and stored off-site. Right. So there's a strong dependency on your off-site storage organization. And I may not be using the right phrase. I tend yeah. to call them off-site storage companies. And yeah. that, that's probably wildly understating the range of services that these organizations offer. I was looking at a couple of websites, uh, the range of services offered, and they're getting to be pretty extensive, including you know the electronic vaulting option using an Asegra or, or some other of the, right. the software packages to do, to do the electronic vaulting. I'm seeing cloud-based services unfolding, uh, hosted services, electronic document management, a whole range of services. Yeah. Now, how do these organizations speak to customers and prospects? Well, they, they, they keep on... Uh, there's a certain amount of value in talking, using the fear, uncertainty, and doubt uh, kind, kind of pitch, you know, FUD, as we used to call it at IBM. <laughs> And, and if you start that fear, uncertainty, and doubt, yeah. if you if you if you play the fud card, then then you're you're scaring that prospect into saying, "Geez, I better do this, yeah, because I've got to protect myself." It only works so far and so well. I, I think the pitch really has to do with efficiency, speed, and accuracy, and we're there. And we will always be there when you have your problem, and we have our processes so finely tuned, so so beautifully oiled and greased that they will just work perfectly no matter what happens to you, sir, and we'll take care of your company for you. 
and 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 it, it, it's it's an efficiency and and a, and a simplicity and elegance kind of pitch hmm. that we can take care of you when it when it happens. Right. Because it will happen. Yeah. You know, you don't need to do the the fud much anymore. Yeah, because I I think what we're learning more and more is fud is something that people are already predisposed to be aware of now. It's becoming yeah. more and more yeah. evident. But but what was kind of interesting to me, I was reading through your blog and discovered that that you had a post on there a while back about the fact that that in in some respects. Um, you know, companies should, as part of a good plan, store letterhead, checks, company seals, and stuff off-site. Uh, what connected a dot for me was that when our industry clients are well prepared for disaster recovery and business continuity, it's actually extremely good for this industry's business in the long run. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it seems to me that uh, the more prepared companies are for disaster recovery, the better our industry will do because we support a significant part of that. No question. No yeah. question, Tom. So tell me about the actual product that, or the service that people can, that actually purchase from you. Uh, I, I know you talk about it on your website as readiness as a service. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that, because I think a, as we kind of wrap up the time we have on the interview, I, I want to kind of hear a little bit more about what it is you offer and how you offer it. We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I, I'd like to get to the nuts and bolts of what it is you do. Okay. Well, readiness as a service, which is kind of a play on software as a service, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it, it has a software as a service component to it. Right. We have our website. It's actually a wiki under the covers, much like Wikipedia, and, and the whole intent behind choosing that particular platform, not trying to get too technical here, but the intent behind choosing that, that platform was to make it really easy for our customer to work on the procedures that they need hmm. to develop or customize at least. Right. And so that, that's part of it. Now, we focus on readiness. A lot of people talk about business continuity or disaster recovery, and those phrases have been grabbed by all sorts of vendors and, and bent to their own particular purpose. So, you know, uh, you, you read an ad in, 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 a, in a computer magazine, they say, you know, the best, you know, all, everything you need for business continuity, and they're talking about some backup device. Hmm. So they're, they're kind of subverting the phrases business continuity and disaster recovery. That's why we chose readiness as, as, a, as a label, because it's like, you know, being a good Boy Scout, you need to be ready for anything. Right. So... Um, and we said readiness is we we want our our customers to be in that that wonderful sweet spot where anything that can happen oh I know how to handle that yeah not to not to say that it won't be stressful difficult perhaps damaging perhaps dangerous yeah but they have planned for it and they they know how to execute it so uh, as I said we give them templates as part of the service. We have online tutorials. We have work modules that include those online tutorials and text and graphics that, you know, take them through each of the phases that they have to work through. We, we have a, a, a work module for risk assessment, for example. What are the risks surrounding your business that will stop you from doing business? Hmm. Well, I happen to have a, a, a gasoline tank farm parked right beside my building. Well, that's a pretty big risk. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be able to do much about that. Right. 
except maybe in your long-range plan, consider moving your office, right. your building, somewhere. But that's a pretty big risk. So we talk to them through about how do they understand what their risks are, what's the probability of that risk, what's happening, and what's the impact of it happening to your business. Well, if one of the tank farm tanks goes up, that's a pretty serious impact on my business. Yeah. So that would be high probability, high impact. That's one of the risks that you really focus on. Hmm. If it's low probability, low impact, then don't focus on it. Don't right. spend money on it. Don't try and mitigate it. Something, something you can't mitigate, like the tank farm. Right. You may have a, a river. You know, uh, you may be in a floodplain, and the river is uh, uh, 150 yards away. Okay. It, it does flood, you know, a 100-year flood. Okay, that, that's pretty bad. What can I do about that? Well, I can mitigate the risk by understanding what's happening in that river. I can watch the weather reports. I can have alerts emailed to me about floods coming, about water rising. I'll hear it on the news probably anyway, but I can also consider the, the, the configuration of my building. If I have two floors, what do I have on the first floor and what do I have on the second floor? Right. Maybe I organize what I've got on which floor, keep it higher up. Have the, the lower, less less critical processes done on the ground floor, like reps, reception and executive offices, and put the order desk on the second floor. Right, okay, yeah. So, so your, anyway. your, your wiki uh, readiness as a service online system allows people to go through all those things, but you, you mentioned earlier you have the whole advisory side connected to that. So tell me a little bit more about how that works. Okay, well, um, in our premium service, we have a standard service where they just use the wiki and we don't assign an advisor. Uh, but not many people buy that. A lot of people like having the advisor available to them. Oh, yeah. So we assign an advisor. Uh, the first thing the advisor does is let's, the advisor looks at what the customer already has in place. Because every new customer has something in place. They're probably doing backups of data files. Right. They probably have an evacuation procedure. They might even have uh, some crisis management things in place. They might, they might carry wallet cards where the, the executives have each other's phone numbers so they can call each other at 3 o'clock in the morning when something bad happens. So the advisor seeks out those things that the company's already done, the customer's already done, that could be of value and used as part of their entire program. Okay. At the same time, the customer looks at our stuff, looks at what we have in the wiki, looks at our procedures, looks at, uh, looks at the process. Then the, then the advisor and the customer talk to each other, and this is over the phone or through a web meeting, because we don't visit our customers. To keep We costing. don't travel to the customer's thing. Right. It costs them money to do that. Right. They don't want to pay for us to fly there and rent a car and sleep sleep in a hotel room and eat meals on, on their tab. We work out of our offices here. Wow. Okay. So that, uh, so that keeps our cost down. But we get together with our customer that way, and we talk through, and we devise a plan about how we're going to go forward, how the customer is going to move forward, hmm. how that customer is going to move his stuff into our templates, and how he's going to work through the process that we have defined in the wiki. Right. You know, the first, first phase is self-assessment. Second phase is risk assessment. Third phase is business impact analysis. That's where the, 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 the customer decides which 
of their business processes are most critical, as in, like, must continue next business day, right. okay. or must never go down, and which ones can wait for two weeks or four weeks. Wow. Well, it sounds like it's a comprehensive way to do it, and I love the way you've you've positioned it from a, a the advisory perspective, but the tool sets all there. You and your team bring this huge amount of knowledge and history and background and, and expertise to help them through the process. Uh, I guess as we listen, you know, as people are listening to you on the show, uh, one of the things that probably is coming to mind is, is can I avail myself of this kind of thing for my clients? And I guess a, a, a question I would have is, is there a way that, uh, you know, record storage companies, data protection providers can align themselves with you in order to help them provide this kind of service to their clients? Absolutely. We have a channel partner program. Oh, okay, cool. And we talk to the organization that wants to sell our service. And, you know, we'll, we'll have a nice long talk about their market and their customers and, and the kind of companies that they have. We'll also have a nice long talk about their sales capabilities and want to understand more about that. And at the same time, they're going to understand more about us and our service. Right. Because what we're talking about is a potential relationship whereby they sell our service, and it would be their proposal with their letterhead. It would be their service agreement uh, between them and their customer. It would be their invoice with their letterhead to their customer, they'd collect the money, and then they send us the money, and we would do the work with their customer. Oh, okay. So, it, it's, you know, we're not taking their customers away. It's their customer. But the other thing that this, and, it's, and, and we work out a deal whereby, you know, that record storage company can make a decent amount of money on each customer, and it's, it's repeated revenue as well, because we charge on a year-by-year basis for our service. The, the customer can continue to use our service. So that once the sale is made, you know, that, that's 5, 10, 15 years of recurring revenue, which is attractive. We, we love recurring revenue in this industry. So, Oh, I know. I love it too. Yeah, very interesting. The other thing that's interesting, as we work through the process with that customer of theirs, we do the business impact analysis, figure out which, what's critical and what's not, or less critical. Then we figure out what the strategies are. How do we make that happen? When we're working on the recovery strategies, as we call them, that's inevitably when we figure out this customer needs to back up more data and more frequently. This customer may even need to store more paper off-site and more Mm. frequently. Uh, This customer may need to change from long-term archival storage to shorter-term, quick-turn kind of storage because they need to get pieces of paper out faster in a disaster. Right. This customer may need cloud services, hosted services, uh, might be doing better with some scanned documents, scanned documents stored safely off-site, moving into somebody's electronic document management service. So we can identify opportunities for that records, that channel partner of ours, that records 
management company to sell more of their other services. Wow, that's very cool. That's incredibly attractive, and uh, it, it seems like that would be um, something that ultimately enhances a, a peripheral revenue item, but also potentially even more internal revenue. So, man, I think we could talk a lot longer about this, but we've uh, we've consumed at least 40 minutes. And so I, I need to call it, uh, I need to call the show. So, um, Michael, thank you so much for spending some time with us and telling us your story, but also what you're doing and, and what's intriguing about it. And I, I'm going to make sure all the details for, for you and your company or on the uh, RIMPRO Report website so people can hear that. But thank you for spending the time with us today. I, I'm, I'm highly appreciative and uh, continued success in your uh, business and as you help the world to prepare and be ready for whatever might hit them. Well, thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate the, the time spent. Thank you. We'll talk soon. See ya. Well, there you have it. Another great show. I uh, let that one go a little bit longer than I normally do. I was kind of intrigued by the fact that Ready Smith, uh, not only what they were doing, I discovered them just over a week ago, and I was quite intrigued by it. And so in the conversation today, I, I realized as we got further into the conversation that it would be interesting to discover if they actually did something with, with other people. Uh, their website didn't seem to indicate uh, that additional focus in terms of channel partnership. So I was glad I asked that question. I, hopefully that would help you. Uh, you can gain some of the information on the uh, rimproreport.com website if you want to get more details to connect back with Michael. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm grateful that you come every week. And as always, I'm grateful for our good friends at O'Neill Software for supporting the show on an ongoing basis. What I love about uh, O'Neill and their people and their team and their staff and their direction is they, they're doing more than just software. Software. They're really trying to think differently about the world that is and is coming, and they're constantly pouring money and resources and time and effort into development. And I and I think what's so cool about that is in the long run, you're going to see some amazing, cool things coming out of O'Neill, not just for where we are, but where you're going to be. So uh, if you want to learn more about them, you can check them out yourself at O'NeillSoft.com. That's it for us. We're out of here. Another great show coming next week. Be sure to join us, tune in, and we'll talk to you then. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.